Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Ball Don't Lie podcast. My name is Audie Elmore. <clears throat> Excuse me. A little choked up to start the show. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you being here. First and foremost, as I said last week, the Ball Don't Lie podcast is now available at EliteNewsUS.com. That's EliteNewsUS.com. I've partnered with them they're a growing sports media company called Elite Sports News. You can check out all of their coverage at EliteNewsUS.com. They now have a my own page on the website there, Ball Don't Lie, to follow along with all of the episodes. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well by searching Elite Sports News. Got a couple good stories up on that website at the moment. Uh, UNC's Javante Williams, a sophomore running back, uh, talks about his growth during the offseason, and Tiger Woods is uh, committed to playing the Memorial Tournament in Dublin this weekend. Got a couple stories up uh, about that that uh, you might find interesting. Um, here we are again talking about the Washington Redskins. That was the news of the week, and uh, we're going to get right into that here in just a moment. But coming up on this podcast, we'll go over numbers game, number 46, an athlete that wore this number, continues to wear this number, is still wearing this number. We'll talk about other headlines across the world of sports, the NBA and their relationship with Japan. We're going to answer your Instagram questions, uh, which you so graciously um, submitted on my Instagram, which you can follow at Audielmore, A-U-T-Y-E-L-M-O-R-E. I'm uh, I'm doing the um thing tonight. Um um um. I don't know. I, I I guess I'm not comfortable. I don't know. Russell Westbrook. There's some news with him with James Harden with the NBA and the players at the bubble. Um, and then we'll preview next week's episode, which we'll have two guests uh, booked and ready to go for next week's episode of the Ball Don't Lie podcast. But the news of the week is still the Washington Redskins. They released the following statement on Monday. On July 3rd, we announced the commencement of a thorough review of the team's name. That review has begun in earnest. As part of this process, we want to keep our sponsors, fan, and community apprised of our thinking as we go forward. Today, we are announcing that we will be retiring the Redskins' name and logo upon completion of this review. Dan Snyder and Coach Rivera are working closely to develop a new name and design approach that will enhance the standing of our proud tradition proud, tradition-rich franchise, and inspire our sponsors, fans, and community for the next 100 years. What did you take out of that statement? Because there was one thing that I immediately said, oh boy. The very last line. A design approach that will enhance the standing of our proud, tradition-rich franchise and inspire our sponsors, fans, and community. Sponsors being the number one thing right there. As the case is with just about everything, money rules the roost. It's the driving force behind all that is. And it is especially with the Washington Redskins. You, like I talked about last week on this podcast, if if the top three sponsors of the Redskins don't pony up and say, hey, you got to change the name, this name does not get changed, period, point blank. They put pressure on Daniel Snyder. He finally has to make the decision because if not, he's going to lose a lot of money. He also wants to get back inside the district, and if they're going to do that, they got to change the name. 
according to multiple sources. So that's what plays into this whole thing. Money rules the roost. As for the potential names and logos and changes for the Redskins, you can bet on that. The odds have been released on the Redskins' new name. And there's some interesting, interesting names on here. The favorites are the Red Tails, 3-1. to one. The Red Tails, I believe, were a, a division of fighter pilots, if I remember correctly, specifically African-American fighter pilots, um, in the Army or in the Air Force, something like that. And that's the favorite right now, a 3-1. to one. That's been talked about on Twitter by Dwayne Haskins, the quarterback for the team. The Generals is at 4-1. to one. The President's at 5-1. to one. The Lincoln's at 6-1, to one, Veterans at 8-1, to one, Capitals with an O at 9-1, to one, Americans, Memorials, and Monuments all at 10-1. to one. Have you heard one you like yet? Because I don't really like any of these. The Kings, Roosevelt's, Red Hawks, Jefferson's, Renegades, Arlington's, Hogs. Those are all have much further, longer shots. And then the last two are really funny. The Snowflakes and the Trumps, 500-1 to one odds to be the new name of the Washington NFL team. I can guarantee you those two are out of the running. The, the two that I find most interesting, the one I think I like the most is the Red Tails at 3-1. to one. I think that would make sense, all things considered. And then there was one on Twitter, and you can go to my Twitter, at Audie Elmore, A-U-T-Y-E-L-M-O-R-E, and see, I, I tweeted out a couple days ago um, the concept, logo concept and uniform concept for the Red Tails, which I thought was really interesting. What the guy does, the, the designer that designed this, was he used the original R, this like cursive R that the Redskins have used since, I believe, the inception of their franchise. And um, he turns that into a Red Wolf, Red Wolf, I guess, logo and uh, designs a pretty cool uniform that I think would look really good. I, Red Wolves, though, Red Wolves does not roll off the tongue. And it was not in that list that I just mentioned as the favorites to actually be one of the names. I think Red Tails makes the most sense. I have no idea what they're actually going to do because they have a problem with copyright and trademark stuff. Because so many people have been expecting this, that they've filed a bunch of copyrights and trademarks and all this other stuff in hopes of getting some money out of Daniel Snyder, out of the team and all that, I guess, to, to, you know, if they picked the right name to, I think copyright is the right, trademark, whatever it is, if they pick the right one, then the the team's going to have to pony up some money if they want that, I guess, is is the thinking. So no one seems to know. There haven't been any leaks. This is something that normally takes several months to a year that they're going to have to try to cram into a couple of months. So it could be pretty terrible. <laughs> Honestly, it could be pretty bad, um, at least at the start, and, and won't probably be good at least until from a, a year from now, probably, just because there's so much that goes into a, a rebrand in general that um, it is just really difficult. So... That is the story of the week, honestly, in the NFL with the with the skins and, and what they're deciding to do with their name. Hopefully, I, I would assume by the end of the month they will have something because that's when training camp starts and the season really starts to get underway. 
They have to be able to produce uniforms, helmets, logos, merchandise. Um, so you would assume that that would you would it would be by the end of this month. I don't trust Daniel Snyder to make the right decision at all ever. So that's interesting. But yeah, that is uh, that's the story of the week. I'm that's I'm sorry I'm sorry that wasn't as it's probably not as entertaining as I thought it was uh, to <laughs> to start the show. But either way, uh, we have a lot to get to, and that will be most of the time will be taken up with the Instagram questions. And thank you all who submitted questions. I got a ton of questions this week, and I'm excited to answer them. There's some ones that are thought provoking, that are challenging, and uh, and that are good. So without further ado, before we get to our first ad break, it is time for Numbers Game. Like I said, this is episode number 46, and an athlete that has worn number 46 currently wearing number 46 is St. Louis Cardinals first baseman Paul Goldschmidt. One of the best hitters in the game, Goldschmidt had a bit of a down year last year in terms of average, hitting just 260, but he hammered 34 home runs and drove in 97 runs. He made his MLB debut in 2011 with the Arizona Cardinals and spent seven seasons in Arizona before being traded to St. Louis. He's a career 292 hitter with 243 career home runs and 807 runs batted in. He's a six-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger Award winner and has won three gold gloves. Paul Goldschmidt, a native of Willington, Delaware. And I do want to mention one thing really quick. A couple weeks ago, or I guess a month ago or so, I made an episode, I think it was episode number 34, and I, I explained the theory and the curse to you and how that's a big deal to me. And I think the number 34 is cursed in my life. I was going over some stuff this weekend. Uh, I have my birth certificate. I have to get a new license coming up. And um, I was looking at my birth certificate and all the information on there, and I noticed in the top right-hand corner, it has a birth number. And wouldn't I, wouldn't you know, my birth number is number 134. Like, are you kidding me? 134? And then I started to realize, oh my God, is it me? Am I the curse? Am I the problem? I reached out to one of my closest friends and someone that has been with me on this journey for quite some time. He's been on this podcast before. His name's Dustin Lorenzo. I told him, I'm number 134. Am I the problem? I'm devastated, I said. He says, there's another way to look at this. We know that the curse arose before your birth. So rather than being the problem, (laughs) perhaps you're the chosen one, destined to help bring an end to the curse. I said, wow, I needed this perspective because here I was thinking I needed to sacrifice myself. He said, no, I think it's the opposite. I said, wow, I needed that. So maybe I am the chosen one. (laughs) Maybe I'm here to end the curse. Either way, I appreciate your thoughts and prayers during this difficult time as I deal with this tough, tough situation. That's the first part of the episode. Taking a quick break for an ad. We'll be right back on the Bottle of My Podcast. Welcome back to episode 46 of the Ball Don't Lie podcast. Appreciate you sitting through that. And maybe you skipped over it. Maybe you did. Unfortunately, that's just how things go. One thing that caught my mind, I want to go over a couple headlines before we get to Instagram questions. Every year this is a big deal in the NFL community is Madden ratings. And the only people that actually care are the players themselves, I think. But we have nothing else 
normal to talk about. So the Madden ratings are a big deal, and they've come out. And if you buy Madden anymore, and listen, I'm guilty of this, the game is trash. The people that develop it, they don't care about the game. EA Sports, they don't care about the fans. They don't care about the game. None of that. They have proven that time and time again. Unfortunately, I still buy it every year, even though I say I'm not going to, because I'm a degenerate and I love football too much. So I am exactly the reason why they don't change. And millions others like me are the reason why the game will never change, because we like football so much, we don't care how crappy it is. We're just going to keep buying the game and hope that one day they listen to us as fans of the game. It's not going to happen, but whatever. So there are only two players that uh, two players revealed so far, I should say, that have the 99 overall rating. One of them is Carolina Panthers running back Christian McCaffrey. And for those that don't know, the 99 overall rating is the best rating you can get in the game. The other is Patrick Mahomes, who, by the way, just signed a big contract. Russell Wilson comes in at 97, Lamar Jackson at 94, Derrick Henry, uh, the other running back in the top five there at 93. Uh, Some other notable ones, Nick Chubb, the Browns running back, is 92. Aaron Jones, the Packer running back at 90. Joe Mixon at 89. Aaron Rodgers at 89. I was talking to somebody today, my cousin Josh, who has been on this podcast before. Big Packer guy. Says Aaron Jones is better than Joe Mixon. The fact of the matter is that's just not true. And uh, I'll just leave that at that. What I do find interesting here, Mixon is rated higher than Alvin Kamara. What's that say? Uh, Deshaun Watson in 86, Dak Prescott in 84, and Carson Wentz in 84. Joe Burrow, the Bengals quarterback, rookie, comes in at 76. He ranks ahead of um, a few decent players, mostly a lot of other rookies. Uh, C.D. Lamb, J.K. Dobbins, Jerry Judy all fall below Joe Burrow. Most of the they've, – they've announced rookies and quarterbacks and running backs so far, so that's what you get. Um, Joe Burrow coming in at a 76 for Bengals fans. That, as we all know, is a bunch of nonsense, and the game's nonsense, and I'm going to complain about it, and then I'm going to buy it because that's what I do, unfortunately. Speaking of Joe Mixon, the NFL released this, this I guess, a mock-up, this display of what they're going to be using as a face shield in this conjunction with Oakley as a way for players to protect themselves against coronavirus. And it makes no sense to me. And listen, I don't get paid the big bucks to develop stuff to help prevent a a pandemic, but it's basically just an extension of a visor that goes down to the bottom of the face mask, but it's got several holes in it so that it's breathable, but also it gets, it prevents, I I don't know. I don't really quite understand it. All you have to do is look it up on Twitter or Google, NFL face shield, Oakley, whatever you want to do. It, it's really odd looking and I don't I can't understand what that's going to actually do um, to prevent players from spreading coronavirus I know it's going to fog up number one that players are going to hate that Joe Mixon why I mentioned him is he saw it and tweeted about it and said that he's not going to wear it he will not wear it I don't know if it's going to be mandated for them to wear it I doubt it I doubt that the league would be able to do something like that and by the way we're talking about football and everything there are players that continue to opt out of the major league foot, uh, major league baseball season. There are players that out, have opted out of the NBA season. You guys need to be prepared that there are going to be football players that opt out of this season. Because 
we are getting into the time now where the NFL Players Association and the NFL are struggling to find common ground on specific things to get the league started on time this year because this is a big risk for everybody involved. And some players will not see it as worth the risk, and understandably so, especially if we get two months from now and we still have no significant change in the spread of the virus, in any sort of vaccine, in any sort of treatment, so on and so forth. So just be ready for that because it's going to happen and it could be somebody on your team, on my team, and it's going to be a, a challenging uh, a challenging thing for, for some teams. Another thing, I, I mentioned Dustin, who was on this podcast before, and if you would go back and listen, we talked about Manchester City and how they had violated these financial fair play uh, rules, and they were looking at a serious Champions League ban. But they appealed that ban, and they escaped by they, – they won their appeal. Uh, it was announced on Monday that Manchester City won their appeal to the Court of Arbitration for Sports, CAS, over the alleged financial fair play violations and are free to play in the Champions League next season. This is ginormous in the soccer world. They were originally banned from European competitions for two seasons, but after they won their uh, won their appeal, um, that means that fifth place in the Premier League will no longer qualify for the Champions League, which, of course, is their arch rival, Manchester United. So, it just it stings Manchester United fans. Also, I'm I'm reading this. I read this earlier, and I'm reading it all again as I'm talking. Initial fine of thirty million was reduced to $10 million. They got off the hook so easy for this, and stuff that is like known fact that they did, and somehow they're still getting getting away with it. And I've seen a, a, quite a bit of commentary about this on Twitter saying, well, Manchester City have basically just said, if your club is big enough, you can do whatever you want and get away with it. That's basically what's happening here. They won their appeal. They do not have to sit out of the Champions League European competitions. They saved $20 million. And um, that's just that, that's just crazy that uh, that they got away with it. So that's another headline that that caught my eye. And uh, another thing, baseball wise, and we're getting back to, back to the NFL and NBA real quick. These are just kind of some quick hitting observations from this week. Um, former Reds, Dodgers, and Indians outfielder Yasiel Puig, who absolutely took this city by storm. And is one of the most exciting players in the league is signing with the Cle- is uh, signing with the Atlanta Braves. So good news for Yasiel Puig. Uh, Russell Westbrook is among the NBA players that have tested positive for coronavirus. He is not at the Orlando bubble with most of the other players, and neither is his teammate James Harden. It is believed that James Harden also tested positive for coronavirus, but. The Rockets, because of HIPAA laws and so on and so forth, are not allowed to say that he tested positive. The only way that that can be announced is if the player does it himself or if it gets leaked by somebody else. Uh, Russell Westbrook announced on Twitter that he did test positive and he is looking to rejoin his teammates in a couple of weeks. But as of now, there's no definite timetable because he has to test negative twice and then fly out and get tested again, yada, yada, yada. Harden's not there either. And um, there's been several crazy stories already coming out of the bubble of players that are breaking 
the the quarantine restrictions and they're having to re-quarantine or players are opting out or girls are getting invited in and just all bunch of nonsense that's happening. Um, so the bubble is going to be really interesting. I think they'll end up starting. I don't know if they'll end up finishing. <sighs> the The meals they're getting, it's just, it's truly a mess. It's truly a mess. But kudos to the NBA. They're being very strict. They're doing everything they can. And uh, they're going to do everything they can to finish the season. So good for them. One other thing that, that caught my eye this week, and it's notable for Bengals fans, is um, Wednesday the 15th is the deadline for teams that have franchise-tagged players to sign to extensions. This is the deadline for teams to sign those players to extensions. It's at 4 o'clock on Wednesday, which is when I'm sure many of you are listening to this. Um, and there's a lot of really good players out there that are still waiting on deals. Dak Prescott is the most notable He's not going to get a deal. Derrick Henry, he's not going to get a deal. A.J. Green, he's not going to get a deal. Yannick Ngukwe, not going to get a deal. Chris Jones, Chiefs defensive uh, tackle, just got a deal, $120 million plus. Um, so there's a lot of really good players on this list. We're talking guys like Shaq Barrett, Bud Dupree, A.J. Green, like I said, Anthony Harris, Derrick Henry, Hunter Henry, Chris Jones obviously just signed, Matthew Judon. Uh, so there's a lot of good players on this list. Brandon Scherf from Washington um, that that are – they either have to sign an extension, which I'm sure many of them won't, or they have to play specifically at this, at this price that is set by the rest of the league. So when you're franchise tagged, you play for one year – at the average price of the top five paid players at your position. So A.J. Green, for example, is going to play one year this year. It's going to be a one-year contract with the Bengals, essentially, for $17.85 million, $865 million. The Bengals, by getting rid of Andy Dalton, save $17.9 million. Where do you think that money's going? Right to A.J. Green. He didn't play at all last year. He's missed 23 of their last 24 games. I love A.J. Green. He, when he's healthy, is a top-five receiver in this league, and you could legitimately make the argument that he's the best. But he just hasn't been healthy. It doesn't make sense for him not to play in this particular situation. Why, if you're him, why would you turn down $18 million? And you have to prove to, A, the Bengals, and B, the rest of the league, if you decide not to come back or the Bengals decide not to offer you, that you still have it and you can play a healthy season. For $18 million, I don't know many people that would turn that down. Dak Prescott, for example, he's going to get paid a ton of money, like $35, $36 million for one season because that's the average of the top five quarterback contracts. And people are still thinking he's going to sit out. You're on, you're on drugs if you think Dak Prescott is going to sit out. Right now he's at $31 million for one season. You kidding me? He ain't sitting out. He made $8 million last year. He ain't sitting out. So that uh, that deadline is on Wednesday, so there will probably be some news there uh, without a doubt. Those players don't have a specific deadline to sign the franchise tender. If they don't sign the t franchise tender, then they can hold out up to 10 weeks, and then they like lose everything, something crazy like that. Le'Veon Bell is the most notable person that did that. But I don't anticipate most of that happening, and obviously who knows what's actually going to happen with – um, everything going on with coronavirus. Okay, so it's time for Instagram questions. 
Shout out to those of you that did send me a question. Really appreciate it. So we're just going to go. And I also got some uh, non-sports related questions. So we'll save those to the very end, till the very end. Starting with the first one. And there's a college football theme here. Quite a bit of a college football theme. Uh, The first one is, what are the chances there's college football in 2021? See, now I almost got tripped up and thought he said 2020 in this question. The chances that there's college football in 2021, I would say, are very high, potentially even in the spring. But I don't think there's any chance, and I have said in the past, that there, I don't think there's any chance they play college football this fall. And to double down on that, I think there's zero chance they would miss two consecutive years of college football, whether it be in the spring or the fall next year, if they miss this year. There's no chance they would do that. I think there's a very, very good chance – Um, that there is college football in 2021. Next question. Say college football gets pushed to spring 2020. Okay, let me restart here. Say college football gets pushed to spring 2021. Would this allow the recruits that leave high school early to go to college? If an injury of a current player, would they be available to play in the season, in your opinion? First of all, I don't know the exact rule on this. Second of all, there's still a lot of questions surrounding if like normal high schools are going to be able to resume in the fall. So... I think first and foremost, they're going to have to be taken care of in the sense that like the players that are currently there, they need to still be taken care of before any new players come in. And there are there's going to be rules and changes and exceptions made because of this. I would assume that the players that originally planned on leaving early might not still have that luxury because of everything going on now. They might not want to come early because of everything going on now. And the colleges might not want them to come early because of everything now. What would an extra body, a new person from a new place, several of these, what would that do for your program in the current situation? It would do nothing. It would only hurt it unless you have the best player in the country coming and it's going to start right away. And that guy is probably not there for a lot of, a lot of people. To ask my opinion if they would be able to play in the season, first of all, that doesn't happen very often. Second of all, I don't think they should be allowed to play this year specifically because you got to take care of the players that are already there. It's a good question, though. Thank you. Uh, What are you most excited for this baseball season? I am most excited for the DH and the way that managers use their bullpens because – if you do the math, and I heard Trevor Bauer talking about this on Pardon My Take, the with a 60-game season, every game is worth like 2.67 games of a normal season. So a little over two and a half times more value in every single game than a normal season. That means that managers are going to be very aggressive in the way that they handle their bullpens and the way they handle their starting pitching. If a guy's getting roughed up early, he's gone. If a guy is in a bad situation barely holding on to a lead, he's gone. And you also have to come into account for this three-batter minimum rule, which means any pitcher that comes in has to face at least three batters. That's going to be fascinating to watch. You're going to have a lot of National League managers um, that are going to have a DH for a full season for the first time ever. And The Reds are in a very good situation specifically because they're so deep. So I want to know how David Bell manages those rotations you know, there's just not enough time. And like I said, the value attached to each game, there's not enough time to, if you have a guy that's slumping or struggling, he doesn't have months of games to figure out his swing. Like 
if you're not hitting, you got to go. Like we need somebody that's hitting right now, and that goes beyond just the Reds. That's every team in the league. Uh, so I think that'll be really interesting to watch how they handle the bullpens, the starters, and what they do rotation wise with the DH. A lot of guy, a lot of teams don't have the the luxury that the Reds have in terms of their depth. But the Reds specifically, the the lineup each and every day will be something I'm interested to see. Good question. I probably just heard my phone go off. Sorry about that. Uh, if you were the owner of the Redskins, what would you name the team? Uh, I like Red Wolves. I like Red Tails. Either one of them fits best to me. I don't love either one of them, but I haven't seen or heard one that I like more. So those are my top two. I could care less. Uh, either way, I think those are good. How should fans feel about the NBA silence on China while supporting BLM? Okay, this, <laughs> this is a deep question here. So if you're, if you're new to this, what's happening in China is, you know, it's, it's obviously a communist country, and they are oppressing people, specifically minorities, specifically Muslims, and they are oppressing them and trying to force them to comply to the Communist Party and China and forcing them to basically toe the company line when it comes to this. They don't want minorities. They don't want Muslims. They don't, they're doing things with population control and... It's just a very, very bad situation. People are being oppressed. There, People are, are being put in concentration camps. They're being taken from their homes and being forced to do labor and work for less money. And all of this is trying to, is basically indoctrinization to have them comply with the Communist Party. It's a very, very bad situation. And the NBA is huge in China. Well, it was up until about a year ago. A year ago, Daryl Morey, who is the GM of the Houston Rockets, he tweeted Free Hong Kong, the hashtag Free Hong Kong, because Hong Kong is where a lot of the pro-democracy protests were going on for a lot of these people that are fighting for their basic human rights and fighting against the Communist Party. He tweeted Free Hong Kong, and China lost their mind because NBA games are broadcast on Chinese television because the NBA is huge in China. The NBA has a workout center in China. They play preseason games in China. This started back in the early late 90s, early 2000s when David Stern was the commissioner, Yao Ming came into the league, so on and so forth. So when this happened, when Daryl Morey tweeted this, China lost their minds. They wrote off the NBA. They stopped broadcasting their games. They removed the Houston Rockets, which ironically was a team Yao Ming played for. They removed their logos. They basically stopped showing highlights. They pretended the NBA didn't exist. And the NBA has lost something like $400 million over this deal. And so when, fast forward to a year later, all this going on still in China and the current civil un unrest in the United States, the NBA has been very outspoken about Black Lives Matter and very outspoken in support of that and that movement. And so people uh, are being critical of the NBA and saying that they're hypocritical for not standing up against China, who was who basically tried to control the NBA and get Daryl Morey fired. Guys like LeBron James came out in support of LeBron. I think LeBron called Daryl Morey misinformed. Basically, a lot of people around the NBA had China's back, and that didn't sit well with a lot of people. And I'm just explaining the story for those of you that might not be familiar. And so... Understandably so, because what's going on in China, no one would agree with. But my view on this, and, I, and the question says, how should fans feel? I'm never going to tell you how you should feel about anything. 
That's up to you. You feel how you feel. But how I feel about this is, and I, I, what is the NBA going to accomplish if they come out and say that China, you know, that they stand against China? What will they accomplish? They're just going to piss China off more. What's that going to do? The NBA can only be so many places at once. You have a league that is a majority black athletes in a country where you're having serious civil unrest right here in the United States. You want them to shift their focus to China? You want them to take their focus away from Black Lives Matter? From the people that make their league what it is? Come on. Like, I just don't understand how people can really expect the NBA to make some sort of difference in China. Obviously, the Chinese government, a communist country, does not care what people think and does not care about the NBA. The NBA, $400 million they've lost, sure. They've been silent about it, but what do you want them to say? What can they do? Focus on the issues that are taking place at home on your own soil. Because that's the most important thing right now. And not to say what's going on in China isn't bad. Not to say it's not important. It is. It's very important. But they can't be everywhere at once. They can't solve everybody's problems. They can't stand up for everyone all the time. This is where their bread's buttered. This is their country. If, if they didn't say anything about BLM and they went and they focused on China, there'd be people criticizing them for not focusing on BLM. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Good question. Um, if you were the president of the NCAA, how would you handle this upcoming football season? Uh, if I was the president of the NCAA, I would hope that the athletic directors and conference commissioners made decisions that didn't ruin the NCAA. The president of the NCAA, Mark Emmert, he has no power whatsoever in this situation. None. He can't do anything. So I would just be hoping that uh, they don't screw this up for everybody if I was the president of the NCAA. Um, favorite arena, stadium, ballpark, dream one to dream one to go to. Um, I've been to a lot of great ones. Indianapolis comes to mind. Wrigley Field might be the coolest place I've ever been in my life. Uh, Ohio Stadium is a dream come true every time I walk in there. Mm. I think I might. I think I might go Ohio Stadium when that place is rocking. And I haven't been there for a big, big game, but Ohio Stadium is incredible. Just incredible. The tradition there. That's probably my favorite. My dream one to go to, I would love to go to Fenway Park. Haven't been there. Um, there's no NFL stadiums that I'm really crazy about. Probably um, Jerry World, just because there's a lot of history there. Ohio State won a national championship there, uh, and it's just incredible. It's the crown jewel of the NFL at the moment until those new stadiums open up. Or, or like Old Trafford, Manchester United. Any of those huge soccer stadiums across the pond would be pretty cool. The Bernabeu. Yeah. Camp New. I would like to go there. I think that's what's called Camp New, right? Whatever. Uh, solutions for scholarships to college seasons being canceled if they are. I, I kind of just said this, but take care of your kids that are there now, your student athletes that are there now, and worry about the guys coming in. So take care of the front end and, and worry about the back end later. So make sure your guys that are still there, that still have eligibility, that still want to play, 
And a lot of them will bail to go to the NFL. If we're talking specifically college football and you go college basketball, a lot of them will bail to go pro. But the ones that stay take care of them first because they have every right to play and they should get their opportunity and then figure it out on the back end for years to come. Don't, do not take people out the pasture for these young kids coming in. Um, okay, if the NFL had to play a shortened season, what format would you want to see? Uh, I think – I don't think they'll play a shortened season. I really, truly don't. I don't think they would do it. I will say that I would probably expect them to move those first two games back like they had it set up for just to buy themselves a little bit more time in case a star player or somebody tests positive during those weeks leading up to the season. I don't see them doing it. I really don't. If they had to play one, 12 games would probably be best. Stick to your division and stick to your conference and local, but it's all set, it's all done, said, spoken for, done by now. I don't. They're not going to change. Uh, is hell real? Yes, it is. Columbus beat Cincinnati 4 nothing in MLS the other day. It was ugly. 4-0, I should say. Okay, we got a couple um, non-sports questions. Let's get to these. This could be so boring for some of you. I know it could be. I don't care. It's my podcast. Um, do you believe in soulmates? Wow, we are getting deep. We are getting really deep. Yes, I do believe in soulmates. I believe in soulmates in various forms. I believe in them with your friends. I believe in them with pets, animals. And I believe in them, obviously, romantically. But yeah, absolutely soulmates. I'd love to have one someday. <laughs> uh, best city you've ever traveled to. The best was Chicago. I loved everything about Chicago. My favorite was Washington, D.C. One of the coolest places I've ever been in my life, Washington, D.C. I loved every second of Washington, D.C. But the best was Chicago. Chicago was pretty cool. But Because there, there's a difference between best and favorite. D.C. is such a mess to just get around, and when there's so many people there and tours and everything, like, that's that's not as fun as, like, Chicago. Chicago was pretty cool. Uh, what do you miss most about sports pre or what do you miss most pre- Okay, let me, let me uh, try to read this question. What do you miss most about pre-COVID days besides sports? Oh, that's a good question. I think I miss the peace of mind- of potentially, you know what I mean? Like I could be carrying the virus and give it to someone and kill them. I don't like thinking about that every time I'm around people I love or people in general. So I miss that peace of mind. And also I miss going to the gym a lot because I was on, I was on a great routine, really getting into the gym. And I miss like going there and, and like really just getting away from everything for a little while. I did great at home workouts for a while. But I do miss like actually going to the gym and uh, and getting all that done. Okay, wow, sorry I rambled for quite a bit there. I apologize for that, but uh, I appreciate you listening to this episode of the Ball Don't Lie podcast. We're gonna have two guests next week, two very good guests next week on the podcast. Jeff Carr, the host of the Locked On Reds podcast, and. Um, Taryn Bland, who is also a co-worker of mine. Taryn Bland will come on to join us. He'll talk about his biggest heartbreak in the world of sports. And Jeff, the host of the Locked on Reds podcast, who I appeared on his podcast a couple weeks ago, you may have listened. Uh, he's going to come in and preview the Reds season because next week, we're just 10 days away right now, 
nine days away right now. We will be only a couple days away from opening day next week. So Jeff's going to come in, give us his expectations, his thoughts, his previews, so on and so forth for the 2020 Reds and the baseball season. So really excited about that and uh, really excited about um, baseball season coming back. So thank you so much for listening to the Ball Don't Lie podcast. Be sure to follow me on social media and uh, have fun. Be safe. Go Bucks.